Hey, what's up, guys? I am back as promised to do a full recap on UFC 251, 251. I don't know why I always call it 251, but um, Fight Island. It was a great card um, and some interesting fights. So uh, I think we have a lot to talk about, and let's get started. All right, for the first match, we had a bout between Amanda Hebus versus Paige Van Zant, uh, women's flyweight 125. Um, interesting fight for a few different reasons. Um, Paige Van Zant. Um, I just want to add a couple of different things into this uh, recap outside of the fight as well. Um, that was just on my mind, and then we'll talk about the fight, which was actually really fast, really short. Um, but leading into the fight, you know, obviously we had Paige Van Zant coming into a very tough fight against Amanda Hebus, who was nine and one coming into the fight, um, and. You know, th there was a lot of media attention on Paige Van Zant, kind of talking about wanting more money, um, and that kind of stole the, the I guess, the press for this fight for her. There was more articles and talk about her wanting more money and uh, shaming the UFC and Dana White versus getting ready for this fight and being focused on the fight. I don't know how much that took a toll on her as far as her attention, being more concerned about getting more money instead of being concerned about just trying to train hard and win a fight. Um, but I definitely think that it caused a lot of pressure when it came fight time because, you know, when you're coming in at eight and four um, and you're, you're wanting more money and, and you, you know, in my perspective, seeing guys that are like, you know, Masvidal and Jones and these other guys that have been kind of doing the same thing, but, you know, their records and who they've beat. And, and, and most of the people that, that's had these issues were champions or former champions, um, big records, big fights. You know, I feel like it was a bad play on her part, uh, if for no other reason, just mentally before she came into this fight. Because I think when you walk out there and you've pissed off your boss, you know, and, 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 you've, and you've, you've basically, to some degree, um, I mean, you shamed your organization and, 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 and their and their whether it's right or wrong or whatever the case, that's beside the point. Um, I think that puts a lot of pressure on you to perform and do absolutely amazing. And I think that's what you have to do um, if you're not going to take some kind of retribution for I mean, if somebody comes after me or comes after my company, I'll be upset about it, whether I'm right or wrong. So um, I feel like that may have played a big part in this. And I think this is kind of where talking bad about your pay and wanting more and putting a lot of value in yourself um, instead of focusing on just being the better fighter, training harder, winning the big fights, and then worrying about that, uh, turned out to be a really bad thing. And Paige went out there, she fought, it wasn't a good fight. Uh, Amanda Hebus controlled the fight from the beginning. Um, she had great clinch work, fast takedown. Um, you know, she, she had like a, a, a head choke, or it was a choke, but it was like a like a, like a schoolyard choke, but uh, it worked well. Paige tried to get out. She tried to transition. She tried to do what she could from bottom. Um, Amanda did a great job of transitioning into back control. Uh, she then took an arm and went for an arm bar, got the arm bar. I think the final um, time was two minutes or two minutes and just a little bit over. So not good for Paige. Very good for Amanda. And, uh, you know, I think you know, I think it couldn't happen to a better person to get an opportunity like that and to, to have won, now improved to 10-1. and one. And she was very humble, uh, very appreciative uh, to the UFC and to, to everybody, to the fans. 
and she was very emotional and you know you got to stand behind someone like that I think it was um you know I was happy to see her win so uh good for her and she's she's definitely moving up in the uh the rankings now all right so the next fight was Jessica Andrade versus Rose Namajunas uh, always been a big Rose fan. Um, she always brings it. She's a very smart fighter, very calculated. She listens. She stays composed. And there was no uh, no exceptions to this fight. She did exactly that. Um, I, you know, it was a rematch. So there's always interesting variables when you have a rematch. You know what I mean? Especially when you're down one, you want to come back, you want to win. Especially what was on the line the first time. And now, you know, there's not a championship on the line, but you still want to get that that win back. So... Um, I had Rose doing really well in the first round. She was finding a home for her punches uh, unanswered. Very good jab, very good striking. Um, Jessica couldn't couldn't avoid him. I mean, I think the speed, the timing was perfect. Um, she was moving well. She wasn't rushing anything. She was very composed. She was very relaxed. Jessica Andre, you could tell, was getting frustrated and trying to find uh, a way to uh, counter and and come through but Rose just wasn't giving her any options and and Rose I think clearly dominated round one um outstriking Jessica round number two pretty much along the same lines um again just continuing to find a home for those punches very good speed um you know Jessica tried to pick it up a little bit get a little bit more aggressive in this round but I think she missed the majority of that um and and Rose took round two Clearly, I don't think there's any just any any anyone that would dispute that. So rounds one and two for Rose. Um, interesting to note in between the rounds uh, of round two and round three, uh, Jessica's corner was heard saying uh, to her that she won both rounds. And I think I dis well, I don't think I think it was bad, but but I I disagree with that. Um, even if it was one and one, I I don't think you should ever. I don't think sorry. You don't think you should ever tell your fighter they're ahead except in very rare situations for very rare specific reasons um, that would be strategically um, important to the, the, the rest of the fight. In this situation, I don't think it was good. I, I don't think you should tell a losing fighter who's down two rounds, she's up two rounds. I don't see an upside to that. Um, fighters typically don't fight harder if they think they won the fight, especially in a three-round fight. If you think you won two fight, or I'm sorry, two rounds, um, usually that means you have to be finished in order to lose. Um, and you don't want that mindset going in. You pretty much always want your fighter to be fighting, to win, to finish, and to be fighting as if every round is depending on the outcome of the fight. On the other hand, you have Whitman and Barry and Rose's corner, who I thought gave excellent advice. And they were telling her to keep the pressure, keep the punches and doing exactly what she was doing. And, you know, it was great advice, but it was what she was already doing because obviously they had already told her to do that, and she just continued to do it. So um, I think that was that was the key to victory for her. Um, going into the third round, the same rows, composed, relaxed, uh, finding a home for her punches, uh, landing well using her speed. Jessica did get a good takedown um, off a good punch. Um, Rose was hurt a little bit, but back up fast. And, you know, then it, then it kind of played out, um, you know, she reversed quickly and, 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 and it got back to the feet. And, you know, I, I don't think I don't think it was that significant. Um, it was that that made the fight or that round close. Um, I could still almost give that round to Rose, even though the takedown. But but I can totally understand her, her losing that round. 
I don't agree with a split decision. I don't agree with a judge saying, uh, one of the judges saying Rose lost that entire fight. That I, I can't wrap my head around. So uh, the result of the fight was Rose won via split decision. I don't agree with that. I think she won unanimously. I think at a worst case scenario for Rose, she lost the third round and won uh, one and two. And even in losing the third round, it would have been a technical loss, not like the the tide was turning and she was starting to get beat and she was getting hurt. And, you know, if it was a four or five round fight, she could have lost. It was more of a technical loss at at, at best if if she did lose that third round. And that's my opinion on that. Um, But a a very impressive fight. Both girls fought hard. You can tell they both had a lot to, to gain and prove and... I think Rose had the most because she needed that win, uh, considering it was a rematch, and she did it. So I'm happy for her, and uh, I look forward to seeing her again. Okay, for the third match, we had Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo. Um, Jose Aldo, I should say. I'm sorry. I'm old school, too. I should I should be calling him Jose Aldo. Um, but uh, good fight, you know. Uh, very, very good fight. And... I, I didn't make a prediction on this fight. I only made a prediction of the main event, which we'll get, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but, you know, if I had to predict this fight in the beginning, I would have went with Peter, but I would have kind of had my heart set for, for uh, Jose because I'm old school. And, you know, I remember the old uh, Aldo who was just destroying everybody and, and someone I looked up to and I still do today. I mean, obviously this fight was – he did excellent in this fight as well. Um, but Peter Jan is just another beast. You know, he's just that new generation coming in. I think he's 27 years old. Um, Jose's getting a little bit older. And not only is, is Aldo getting older, but uh, he's not like 40 or anything, but he's still, he's had so many fights at such a high level. That takes a toll, and that makes you, that makes you older just in itself, you know. Um, but I think there's some good things that happen, you know. And I think in the very beginning, so we'll start with round one, round one, uh, it was a feeling out process, a lot of feeling out process. It was a while before they started engaging, and I think that was out of respect to each other. I think Peter did a great job of allowing that um, and not putting too much pressure because um, Aldo's a very tough opponent who can do crazy, hard striking, especially kicks, and, and he's got some great uh, punches, and he can land those at any time. So I think it was a smart decision for Peter to go ahead and feel him out a little bit and, and see what he was going to do. Both were feeling each other out. Uh, and then uh, Aldo came in with some kicks, started doing his traditional uh, leg kicks that are just absolutely brutal. Uh, one of them swept Jan, knocked him down. Um, another thing I want to – I wondered when I saw this. Okay, so obviously when he kicked the leg, it was kind of a sweep. So it's kind of a takedown, but it's also – we've seen uh, kicks where it knocks the stability of the opponent because it's so hard that they fall. And a question I've always kind of had was, you know, you, you get hit in the head and you get knocked down. It counts as a knockdown. It's a significant part of the round that you lose. But from a kick, I wonder how they judge kicks. Um, obviously, we've seen kicks where they've been adding up, especially with who who, who is in this fight, um, Aldo, where he's kicking people in the legs so many times they can't even stand and they fall down. That to me would be definitely a hundred percent considered the same thing as a knockdown from from a punch to a, to the face. I don't know about the 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 difference of getting kicked like in this fight where he kicked uh, Jan. Obviously, he wasn't like rocked, but he did land a significant blow that took him off of his feet. So I wonder how they they look at that and how they gauge how they gauge that because I think there's a lot of people who's been knocked down from punches that weren't out 
and weren't, you know, incoherent, but it still, you know, took them off their feet. So I don't know if they're, they're basing this knockdown being a significant part of uh, a fight being immobilizing somebody for a second, a standing person to putting them on the ground, uh, like a takedown, for instance, or if it's uh, the damage taken and they, and they consider taking a punch to the face where you get rocked a lot more damaging than a kick. Nonetheless, I got sidetracked. He did kick Jan, knocked Jan down from a kick. Uh, it was more of a sweep, but it was a very good kick. You know, Jose's got some great kicks, and, and he implements them very, very well. I think, uh, you know, it went back and forth in round one, but I give it to Jan. I think Jan took round one. Um, he came back strong. They're both landing big shots. It was a great round. Uh, round two, I think Jose opened up a little bit more and, and started coming back. And um, we saw kind of some uh, reminiscence of the old uh, Jose Aldo coming in and, and landing big strikes and, um, you know, just just everything that he's got. I mean, he's got everything. Um, and in my opinion, uh, Aldo took round two. Uh, round three, I think Peter Jan started picking it up. Uh, and another thing, I think Peter Jan kind of took, I don't think he took round two off, but he was definitely um, a lot slower and uh, more defensive. And so that was making me wonder if maybe he, he was um, uh, declining wasn't the case <laughs> he didn't decline he came back in round three did very good uh jose started out with hard kicks hard punches again as usual actually started the round really well um but it was just too much jan was uh, uh trying to fire back missing his mark a little bit um started looking tired and slow but he ended strong and i think the ending is what really secured that round for him so i give that round to jan so we have jan two rounds uh, aldo one going into the fourth Big round for, for Jan going to the fourth. Um, big strikes, takedown. Uh, just overall impressive round. Um, pretty one-sided. Jan takes that round. Shows why he's kind of that next generation coming up. Um, round five was just a continuation of that, which was not good for Aldo. Um, completely one-sided. Um, gets him down, is punching him. And I want to mention this about the, the stoppage. Um, you can say it was a good stoppage because he stopped it before he could have, I guess. Um, Jose wasn't out or anything, but in my opinion, it was a bad stoppage because I think it should have been stopped before. Um, you're talking about a guy who's, you know, on the ground, covering up, taking a lot of punishment. The fight was not going his way. There was no way in my mind I could see Aldo coming back from that um, from just a little bit in of Jan landing those ground and pound strikes. Um, and then we had to just continue to watch it for a little bit longer than I think we should have before they stopped it. Um, again, he did stop it sooner than I've seen a lot of other refs stop fights, so thankfully he did do that. Um, but when you consider the amount of damage someone like Aldo's taking, when you, you in your mind, like me in my mind, as a, if I was the ref, I would have known he's not going to come back from that. He's not going to get up and, and knock out Jan at this stage. He's not going to get up and, and he, he's hurt. Um, he's covered up. You know, he, he doesn't want to tap. He's got pride like fighters do. He doesn't want to give up. So he has to just take this punishment. This punishment lasts. You know, the, I mean, it's killing brain cells and it's it's causing permanent damage. And And so I think it's very crucial that when you see something like that, you you stop it. And if the fighter doesn't like it, so be it. You know, we were seeing a decline in Aldo 
well before this happened. So, I mean, he had plenty of time to make the fight more competitive and, and, and when he was on the ground to get up and fight back and give a harder fight um, or, or harder, I guess, defense against these, these ground and pound strikes and it didn't happen. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say that it was a late stoppage. I think it should have been stopped a little bit sooner. It was unfortunate to see Aldo lose. You know, I love the guy. I've been watching him for a long time. Big fan of his. But Peter Jan is just the real deal. I mean, he's just a tough, tough, tough guy. And uh, I think he's going to be the future of the division. So he's off to good things. And uh, and I do want to say, too, that, you know, I, th- I could sit here and say uh, Jose Aldo can, can fight another high-level competitive fight and win for sure and be confident about it. There's plenty of people out there that's fighting that's doing really well that I think Jose Aldo could beat. That being said, I just don't want to see it. I, I don't want to see him fight anymore. I would like to see him um, out of care. I would like to see him retire. Um, if not now, soon, and and move on, just because I don't want to see him take this kind of punishment again. He's a guy who's done so much for the sport. Um, he's a legend. He's an icon. He's someone I look up to so much. I, I, I hate seeing fighters when they get to a stage and they're having to fight these young guys that are coming up that have everything going for them, you know, so much of an advantage in, in, in different areas of their youth and their training and their experience and the length of time they've been training in, in a variety of places where Jose grew up in Brazil, training mostly in Brazil. These guys are training all over the world now. You know, it's like a, the sport is so big now. Your training partners, you know, they're training with so many different great guys. Guys that are coming in now are just so much more at a different level. And uh, so, yeah, I hope the best for him. And I hope he either gets a, a, a fight where it's more competitive and, and he doesn't take a lot of damage or that he moves on. And I hate saying that. You know, I know fighters make their living by fighting and, and that's how they get paid. But I hope that he has other opportunities and can pursue them and, and kind of move on from this. It's just what my heart says. All right, so the next fight, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. Um, another great fight. Uh, just a, such a champion-level fight this was. Um, and a fight that, that I, I want to say, as I, as I mentioned earlier, um, mentality in a fight and where you feel you are in a fight can definitely play a role, and I think that's what happened in this fight. Um, you know, we saw... Alexander, he came out good. Both people came out, or both fighters came out really good. Uh, Max Holloway and Alexander uh, felt each other out for a while. Actually, it was um, about two minutes in until I think they started really mixing it up. Uh, it was a, a pretty long filling out process. Um, and, uh, you know, Alexander was aggressive. Uh, Holloway was uh, defensive and, and trying to land the strikes using his, his reach. Um, he had a, a massive, I think it was the first round, he had a really good head kick. Uh, dropped down Alexander uh, and I think that that was a, a significant part of round one and that gave him round one so I think Max definitely clearly won round one no questions asked um, then between rounds Max Holloway shushed Anik I don't know why I, don't, I guess at the end he was talking about something about zoom training or something but I don't know if he was talking about uh, his commentary and, and it's interesting to note that when they these guys fight and they're fighting and you know, the Apex or I guess Fight Island, which was kind of set up similar to the Apex, you can probably hear the commentators quite well. I could never hear the commentators ever when I fought, and I never heard them. I heard my corner, and I could hear my other corner, but I wasn't – it's weird when you're a fighter, but you're, 
you're kind of in tune to your corner's voice, which is weird. So like depending on where you're at in the fight, uh, you could be at any part of the octagon. And so you might be right next to your opponent's corner. And I have heard them before, but for the most part, no matter where I was in the octagon, I always heard Bob Cook's voice or Javier, um, whoever my corner was at the time that was that was screaming at me. Um, but I think in this situation, it's kind of weird. It adds a different dynamic when you can hear the commentators. And and I've had situations in the past where I didn't agree with the commentators when they were when they were calling my fights. Uh, and I had times when they were overly positive about my fight and maybe too too positive you know giving me too much credit so i've had both things happen and it makes me wonder how i would react to that during the fight and so when max holloway shushed he did the the little shush to john anik during the fight it made me wonder like if because he was talking a lot about leg kicks or so, i'm sorry he was talking about uh maybe was it kicks i think he was talking about kicks um but he, he was talking about a lot of things that Max Holloway was doing, and I don't know if he was saying that in regards to uh, quit saying what I'm doing. I don't know. It's just a weird dynamic that, that I'm, I'm curious myself how that affects the fighters in the fight. And I've never seen a fighter really kind of address the commentators in a way of telling them to not talk. So I don't know what he was doing. Um, but it's got to be a little bit weird to hear them because a lot of times, like, you'll, like uh, you know, punches will be thrown – and you'll block, and then the, the, the punch will hit your glove, and, and it makes the sound. So you hear the impact, but it didn't hit you. It hit your hand. You know, you blocked it. And I've had fights where Joe Rogan or Mike Goldberg or whoever else would say, oh, wow, big left hook by Dan Hardy, whatever the case, or, or, or big right or something, and it didn't hit me. And I'd be like, oh, damn, you know, like that, <laughs> that has an effect on what people think when they watch the fight. Uh, and it's happened to me too, you know, where I've, I've thrown strikes that maybe not have landed and, and they called it as well. So it's interesting just on a side note to, to, to wonder what these guys, next time I get someone on the podcast that's fought at the Apex or um, one of these events, I'm going to ask them this question because I am very curious, like, how, how that plays out during the fight. Because shockingly, you do, you're very focused on your fight out there, but you do think about of a lot of weird, a lot of, you think of a lot of weird things. Um so you have a very clear mind out there. I've always had a clear mind. So I, I've, I've thought about the fight, and then when I was in the clinch and maybe tied up, I still knew what I was going to do. Like, I'm going to transition into this when I can. I couldn't at the moment. I had to move his hand out of the way or push his head to the side or whatever the case. But during that time, I would, all, I would often look over and, like, think about something that was going on that I saw outside the octagon or some, somewhere else or whatever. So I can just imagine what's you know what it's like to actually hear the commentators hear the corners uh, you know at the same time and and be hearing that so loud while you're while you're out there fighting and it's affecting your fight because they're saying everything you're doing and what you might do and what you could do and then your opponents what what they should be doing and i don't know i'm gonna ask i'm gonna find out so stay tuned subscribe because we're gonna get this answered and, and we're gonna figure it out but anyway so i think max uh took round two as well I think he was aggressive, um, landed some big uppercuts. Um, I want to say that he, uh, Alexander tried to take him down, and then he punished him for it with some big uppercuts or something, if I remember correctly, for round two. Uh, round three was the close round. Um, I think Max had the pressure. Um, that's, that's the round. I think round three was when uh, Alexander went for the takedown, and then Max followed up with the knee afterwards. So it, w- it was kind of back and forth in that round it was very close um i think i gave that round to max still even though it was very close so now i had max three up um 
even though Alexander was pushing the pace and doing well, Max was just utilize, uh, utilizing his uh, reach and, you know, his timing and his distance and his speed. And I think he was just doing a better job overall. Um, round number four, uh, same thing started happening. But uh, as far as uh, Max, you know, he, he, he was he was uh, putting the pressure and he was trying to, to get off his punches. But I, I noticed he was easing back a little bit. And, and this is what I don't know what was said in between the rounds. I don't know if he thought he'd won the first three rounds, but it seems like he was starting to ease off a little bit um, of the gas. And I, I think at one point, um, definitely by round five, maybe in round four, he started putting his hands down even and, and doing that whole thing. And like, it, I, I feel like he was kind of throwing the fight away, assuming that he won. Um, and that may have turned out to be a big problem and the reason that he did end up ultimately losing the fight. Um, so yeah, that, uh, Alexander came strong, was, was landing big things. Um, then he ended with a nice takedown, um, you know, and, and I, I don't know what else to say. Like, I, I feel like three rounds to two, I feel like Max should have won, um, depending on how that third round went, but he clearly slowed down in those last couple rounds and Alexander, uh, pushed forward harder and so that's why I always say the end of the fight is is last impressions are the most important when it comes to fighting it, it's not first impressions you know y you can completely dominate in the first round second round I've seen fights where two rounds are won clearly and then a really bad third round not even a 10-8 but the judges still give it to the guy um, the fighter that, that did dominate in the third round and that's just the way it is so Always have to fight through to the very end. And, uh, yeah, for that reason, Max Holloway lost uh, via split decision, I think it was again. Um, and that sucks for him, but good for Alexander. So Alexander's very happy, and uh, now he's a defending champion, and uh, he'll probably have another fight. I think he's got a bright future. I definitely do. And I think Max Holloway will be back too. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to be just fine. Um, I just wish he had a kept doing exactly what he did in the first and second throughout the whole fight. I think he would have been okay. I think that would be my, my input. But, uh, yep, so there's that one. What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. The great Mike Swick. He's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jiu-jitsu. They have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. I'm telling you guys, I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool, but you can't come to Thailand without coming to AKA Thailand. Come on. All right, so the next fight, the main event, Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. This is where I was supposed to say, I told you so, Jorge Masvidal won the fight. However, that is not what happened. That is not the way it went down. 
Um, but I want to say that I am. I feel very confident. I, um, I think I was very accurate with my predictions. So if you go back to, to the last video we posted, I think a lot of the things um, that I did say were, were relevant and very accurate. Um, but there were a lot of variables that we couldn't count on. You know, you're talking about a guy who took the fight on six days' notice. Um, of course, he's going to say he's in shape. Of course, he's going to say he's training hard. Of course, he's going to say, um, you know, that the the travel's not an issue, the COVID test is not an issue. But the reality is, I mean, like in my prediction, I didn't, I didn't, you know, all I said was Dustin Poirier said that he helped him train for his fight camp and that he sparred every round with Dustin Poirier and he was still in the gym. Of course, that's what Dustin's going to say too. He has his teammate. So that's all I went off on that, uh, or went by on that. Um, my prediction was based on just his previous fights, uh, what he's done and where he's at today. And I think he proved that. I think, you know, we saw the first round, Masvidal was very aggressive and he was very unorthodox with his striking. And, and he even did that switch left again that he did on Till. Um, he was landing things. And, and I think throughout the fight, we saw that when he was landing those strikes, Usman didn't like it. We saw Usman run away a couple times and back off a couple times. He does not like combinations, and I still think that's a big hole in Usman's game. As someone who's going to land and then continue to land, he doesn't like it. Um, now, can they knock him out? Time will tell. Um, but I think that was where I thought Masvidal was going to be able to, to, to maximize um, his potential in that fight. And I think having a full fight camp, being more ready, not taking the fight on six days' notice, um, would have enabled him to do those things a little bit better. Would it have been enough to beat someone like Usman? I don't know. But it would have been uh, what we saw in the first round for longer. And I think what we saw in the first round we liked as far as action goes. And definitely if you're a Masvidal fan and you were expecting to see him go out there and, and try and fight, you enjoyed watching that first round and how he came out. I would have enjoyed to have seen two or three rounds of that at least um, and that's what I was expecting, and that's what I was hoping, but that's not what I could have planned for. You never know, you know. Um, he's got a big fight. Of course, Masvidal is going to take it, and he's gonna, it's a lot of money. You know, it's a big fight. It's for a championship. He, of course, he's going to take it no matter how good a shape he's in. I think he was still in shape, and he was. You know, I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I think he was in good shape, and, and I think he was training. I'm not, I'm not saying that's the reason he lost. Um, I just feel like he could have done better if he didn't get tired and if Usman – didn't play the game plan that he did, and and that's credit to Usman. I think Usman did a fantastic job. Um, you know, I'm not biased to Masvidal. I've, I've never even met Masvidal. If I did, it was just in passing. So I'm not like his friend or training partner or anything. I just picked him because looking at what he's been doing, where he's at, his mindset, and all this stuff, I, I made my prediction, and I still stand by it. Um, but what we saw was him get a little bit tired, and that is completely understandable at, at six days' notice on a, a championship level against a guy who is probably one of the most diehard, mental, um, uh, strong training guys out there. I mean, we've, we've seen him never get tired and, and, and push so hard and grind so hard, and he talks about his, his mental fortitude all the time, about how hard he trains and about that's why no one can beat me. So you have to believe the guys in the gym – uh, training crazy, crazy hard. So Masvidal put himself up against a really, really tough test for six days' notice. Um, and I want to credit Usman on that. Uh, I'd rather see a fight. I, I, you know, and when Masvidal's had those big fights like Nate Diaz, um, you know, and, and many countless other fights of, of his 49 now previous fights, um, he fought. They fought. You know, it was like a fight. And, 
me, I'm a little more biased towards fighters than I am wrestlers and guys who just grind and try to get the win that way because I myself am a fighter too. You know, I want to go out there and I want to fight. I, I understand there's wrestling involved. I understand that you have to get takedowns and go for submissions and, and there's all aspects of fighting. Um, but I just hate from my career, <laughs> I just hate when fighters would take me down and just hold me and that, that would be how they thought fighting should be. Um, it's the sport, and that's my fault for not for not being ready for those fights. If I if I ended up losing any of those, and I think some I won, some I lost, but that's my fault. You can't blame the fighter for that. You can't blame Usman for his game plan. He he was a grinder, and he he fought how he had to fight to win the fight. Um, but he also didn't land any significant punches that were going to knock Masvidal out. Um, he had a hard time taking him down, which 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 again showed uh, how proficient. Masvidal is against takedowns, how, how good his takedown defense is, and how good his clinch work is. He did really good in the clinch when he was strong in, in the beginning when he had cardio. Um, and then as his cardio went, you know, he obviously got weaker, which Usman still didn't throw him around, didn't completely ragdoll him. He did get him to the ground. You know, he did, he did get the takedowns. But when he took him to the ground, Masvidal did a great job of tying him up. You know, he, he, he didn't take much damage. The blood that was coming out of Masvidal's face was from two headbutts. So he didn't even land a strong enough elbow to cut him that I know of, that I, that I saw and that the commentators saw. We didn't see that. We didn't see any punches rock him. We didn't see any of the punishment that Usman promised that he was going to deliver because – as I said in my prediction, I think he, he couldn't have really prepared for what, from what sounded to me like, he, he couldn't have prepared for what Masvidal was going to bring because Masvidal is way better on the ground, way better takedown defense, way better clinch um, than what most people believe. And I think Usman was one of those, and, and, and obviously so because otherwise Usman would have uh, landed a lot more and he would, have, he would have done what he said and he would have smashed him out on the ground and beat him, uh, finished him. Um, uh, even BJJ, he did a good job. He was in mount position, Masvidal, and got out of that. He transitioned well, you know. I mean, he, he did well with what he what he could. Um, Usman didn't go for submissions. He didn't go for a knockout blow. He didn't he didn't seem to try to finish the fight at any point. He wanted to just grind him out and get the win. Hats off to him. I mean, that's 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 the that's the you know that's the game. And, and you're going to think I'm biased on this because I, I'm I'm negative to that type of fighting. But I, I'm I'm not a, a news journalist, you know. I'm not out here trying to be uh, a, a sports analyst or anything or some kind of like news um, commentator or anything. I'm just me, you know. And and so I can only give you my personal opinion, my insight as as my experience being a fighter and what it's like. And I think obviously when fighters give breakdowns, recaps and podcasts in general about fighting, they have something that no one else has, including the fans and the journalists and the reporters, because they've been in there and we've all fought. So we have our opinions. And I think that is what separates us. So I don't want to take away from that. And I want to hold true to that and not try to be some biased reporter that, that, that doesn't share how I truly feel about things. And I think that, uh, that it was probably really frustrating to, to have to be in that position where you got held down. And uh, I, I think that when you see someone like Masvidal being the star that he is and, you know, he's got a bigger following and, and, and now obviously he's even bigger because of this fight than the champion, that's, that's a big reason, you know, because when, when these guys try to just hold you down and they grind, traditionally in history, they haven't became the most popular fighters. So it's, it's kind of a, a give or take, you know. Can he maintain his championship 
and be a champion and beat most of the people in the division, if not all of them at this stage, maybe. And maybe that's his goal. Is he going to be the star that people are going to line up to watch because he's going to be crushing people and knocking them out? It depends. I mean, it depends on who he's fighting. If he's fighting a guy that's not like Masvidal, maybe he can get a knockout and maybe he can get some some other ways uh, to win a fight. But I just wasn't uh, a fan of of this fight because I wanted it to be exciting. I mean, I was a fan of the fight as far as before and during and up until the very end, but I just now am not as satisfied, I guess, with the fight because I wanted it to be exciting. I wanted him to go out there and go to blows, and I wanted I wanted to see Usman tested more on being a fighter and and, and taking blows and giving blows and, and then mixing it up and going for submissions and trying to finish it on the ground and, 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 and working just a more wider range of, of options. But you know what? He did what he did, and uh, he won. He's strong. He's dominant. Um, he's got great cardio. He obviously has a great work ethic. Um, and to his credit, you know, he had to change up his game plan. Now, I want to say, too, from experience, I've trained with champions my whole life. My entire team was champions. You know, I just – just not me. But, uh, you know, I, I trained alongside Cain Velasquez and – uh, Luke Rockhold and Josh Thompson and Daniel Cormier and Khabib and all the champions we had at AK. So I know how champions train, and I train with them for their whole careers or a lot of their careers. Um, and it's not as hard for a champion to change opponents as it is for someone coming into to a championship fight like that, like Masvidal did um, on six days' notice to fight a, a beast like him um, and to be prepared for that. A champion has to be ready for anybody at any time, and they have to train hard anytime. Does the game plan change when you fight or when you're, when you're scheduled to fight someone like Gilbert Burns and that changes over to Masvidal? Absolutely. But you got to be ready for that. And, and when you're training, you can't spend three months training for one person only. You have to still train for other aspects because that makes you one-dimensional, right? Um, you have to grow as a fighter. So at AKA, what we've always done was when you had an opponent, yes, you train specifically for their strengths, but you're still always training for the other strengths that they might not they might not even possess because you got to stay strong and you got to be ready for that next bout. And if you train only for one opponent with just certain specifics, and then you get a new opponent next, you got to start over, and you're only going to have two or three months to train for that opponent. Whereas if you had to kind of train for everything for the first opponent, you're a little bit more well-rounded, a little bit more ready. Um, so uh, I think it was less uh, of a of a of a big deal for him to change opponents having a full fight camp having a fight date having uh an opponent change and all that than it was for Masvidal so there were a lot of variables that 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 were just um questionable in this fight and I would love to see a fresh Masvidal rematch I mean I would even though you know it was a dominant victory I agree uh Usman dominated him he did win I think the first round was close um but I think it definitely the, the last four rounds obviously was all Usman. But I would still love to see a very in-shape, you know, full fight camp uh, Masvidal who prepared specifically for Usman in the future. I would absolutely love to see that fight. Um, and that's because we're seeing a very innovative Masvidal now. You know, we're seeing a Masvidal that's trained specifically for fighters and trying. he tried new things in this fight. Um, to, to try and catch Usman. You can tell he, he, he tried to strategize on, on six days' notice. So imagine if he had a full fight camp. Uh, he obviously did that with Askren. He did that with Nate. He did that with Till. I mean, he, he's a guy who's, who's evolving and strategizing well. So I would definitely still like to see a very um, 
well-prepared fight between those two. And if Masvidal has to get a couple wins first, so be it. Um, there's still a lot of other guys. I'd love to see Masvidal fight. He's a star now. He doesn't need a belt. He's got the BMF belt. He doesn't need to fight for the championship. He's, he's, a, he's a main event fighter no matter who he fights, and there's a lot of great fights that he can get into. So either way it goes, I'm excited for him. I think he's going to grow. His legend's going to grow. His star power is going to grow either way. Usman's going to grow too. My advice would be um, try and finish more in the next one. Try and finish more in the next one. Go for submissions. Uh, try to go for some knockouts and, and mix it up a little bit. I get it that he was just trying to get this win because a loss to Masvidal on six days notice would have been just detrimental to him as a fighter. So I get he had to be a little bit more desperate um, for those takedowns, but that's what it looked like. He was desperate. A champion shouldn't look desperate like that. Uh, and, and case in point, I'm going to give you an example from my team, and that's Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier is a wrestler. Daniel Cormier can beat anyone in the sport, in my opinion, including John Jones, if he went out there and wrestled him and just, just wrestled him to win the fight. I've said this many times. I believe it uh, wholeheartedly. I think Daniel Cormier would have never been beat by any opponent in any fight that he's ever had had he stuck to his wrestling and, and had the Usman style of I'm going to do what it takes to win the fight. Um, Daniel's not that way, however. Daniel's a fighter, and he wants to fight, and he goes out there to fight, which is why he's so popular, why he's as famous as he is, and why he's one of the best that's ever done it. Um, and he wants to beat people with their own game. Um, he's fighting Stipe coming up, and can he go out there and, and beat Stipe in a wrestling match, and, and, and especially in a 25-foot cage, and, and, and make it, I would say, somewhat look easy? Yes, I 100% agree with that. Um, but I also agree he's probably not going to do that. You know, and he's going to go out there and fight, and and, and especially since he knocked him out uh, once before. So that's going to change everything. And Stipe is a beast. He is an, he is one of the best heavyweights of all time. And and uh, I you can't give him anything. But you know, I give m mad respect to Daniel Cormier, and I think he's made a, a fabulous career for himself and established himself as a legend. He's a two two division champion, uh, pound for pound, one of the greatest to ever do it. And I think. The reason is, is because uh, he went out there and he was a true fighter and went for everything and always took advantage of any opportunity. And so I think that's, that's the path I think Usman should follow if he wants that same greatness. Um, that's all my advice is I'm not a champion. I'm just, I'm just, I had my chances and I blew them. So uh, I, I can't sit here and say I'm, I'm trying to tell him what to do. But I'm saying that's, from my experience, that's, that is the advice I would have. Uh, for him to gain what he probably wants, which is popularity, fame, and and fortune. I mean, obviously, we've seen uh, from the, the, all these uh, contract situations with the UFC, the fighters that are the biggest draws make the most money. And Masvidal is not a champion, and he's probably not going to be a champion for a while. If if he's ever a champion, he's going to make a hell of a lot of money. Nate Diaz made a hell of a lot of money. Um, you know, Brock Lesnar, even when he wasn't a champion, made a lot of money. It's star power. You know, it's and, and, and it's the guys. To go out there and fight and do good. So, anyway, I rambled on a lot. I'm sorry, guys. I'm really sorry, man. This is it's just, uh, you know, I, I was I was pumped about the fight, and I'm excited for the UFC. And I just want to say that I I greatly appreciate the UFC for for not stopping. I just made a post recently to Dana and to the UFC, just to hell yeah, basically on on pushing forward and making these fights go, not stopping because of the pandemic. People ask all the time. What, what makes people great? What makes businesses great? Why, why is this business so much better than this one and, the, and, and such and such? And it's like, this is why. You know, this is why. Because they don't stop. They don't take no for an answer. They just go. And 
to to get hit with the virus. I'm I'm a businessman. You know, I have a business in Phuket. And to get hit with a virus like this, a pandemic that just absolutely shuts down the world, it's depressing. And I've seen so many people give up and quit and just stop and wait and just assume things are going to hopefully work out. Or if they don't, it's out of their hands. But to see the UFC go into absolute overdrive and build an entire infrastructure in Abu Dhabi for and on Yas Island and do the apex, it's that is what everyone should look at and, and take inspiration from and, and understand now why this company went from $2 million to $4 billion. There's a reason, and, th- and, and this is the driving force. The guys like Dana um, have been doing this for years, and and I'm, ha- I'm happy that they put this fight on. I'm happy to be a fan now. Yeah, I'm happy to be able to say I fought for the UFC. I had my 15 fights. It's great to look back and say I used to do that, and uh, – yeah, I'm excited uh, to, to see it keep going and keep growing. And when the pandemic's over, I'm sure there's going to be more and more things happening. And, and now that they're with WME and it, the entertainment side's coming in and they're doing more entertainment-based stuff, I think it's going to be incredible. So anyway, not just hats off to the fighters for having amazing fights tonight. Everyone did very good. I thought I was impressed with everyone um, that went out there and fought and, and put it on the line and gave a good performance, but also wanted to, to give hats off to the UFC for the entire team, staff, everyone that, that's involved and, and took part in making this event happen. As a fan, I appreciate it, um, and I'm grateful to see the sport growing. I'm glad to have had a part of it, and I'm glad through this podcast to continue having a part of it and be able to talk about it and talk to great people and uh, talk about great fights. So anyway, that's my breakdown. I probably lost you like 10 minutes ago, let's <laughs> be real. If you're still here right now, you're probably subscribed, and I appreciate you so much. Um, but uh, thank you. Uh, I got some big uh, podcasts coming up. And for those of you that didn't listen to all this rambling, you're going to miss this. But I actually have Anthony Pettis coming up. He's one of my next guests. Um, we're going to have a great conversation. And I actually have Doug Ellen coming on the show. And I, as you're going to find out, I'm going to venture into other things other than just MMA. I'm very big into the entertainment industry as well. So we've had actors on in the past. Um, we have some other things lined up with some pretty big people in the entertainment industry. But Doug Ellen is going to be on uh, the show next. He's going to be my next guest. And he is the creator of Entourage. So if you know the show Entourage, the sh- one of the best shows on HBO and uh, the movie, um, he is the creator. He is the guy at the very beginning that you've seen a thousand times created by Doug Ellen. So he will be on the podcast and we will talk about his new podcast. We will talk about Entourage. We will talk about MMA, of course. Um, and so stay tuned for that. Subscribe if you're listening on the audio platforms. Uh, subscribe there as well, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes. I appreciate you all. Love you all. Talk to you next time. Real quick, real quick, real quick, with Mike Swig. Real quick, real quick, real quick with Mike Swig Podcast.